For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just 5 bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it, but anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our Hoop Ball pros, including myself, around the clock, to get one-on-one -on -one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, on Saturday, ahead of the Raptors Hawks matchup tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It's been a disappointing week for the Hawks, as we knew it was going to be a tough stretch of games going into the week. But after a great effort in a loss versus the Lakers, we had a very disappointing loss to the Dallas Mavericks here at home on Wednesday. Injuries would cause the Hawks to be undermanned going into the Jazz matchup on Thursday night. And other Hawks are currently sitting at 0-3 this week ahead of tonight's game. We will cover both the Mavericks and Jazz games and preview the Raptors game tonight after this plug from my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'ma plug you. 
all my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. The injury report going into Wednesday's game versus the Mavericks. DeAndre Hunter out with that knee soreness and discomfort. Oyeko Kongu is out. Bogdan Bogdanovich out. And Chris Dunn as well. Starting lineup for the Hawks will go as this. Trey Young at the one. Kevin Herter at the two. Cam Reddish at the three. John Collins at the four. And Clint Capella at the five. The Mavericks would start the game on Wednesday night trapping Trey Young early, which would make things difficult for him. The big two from Dallas, KP and Luka Doncic, would score their first points. John Collins would get things going with a dunk, which was foreshadowing of a huge night that he would have on Wednesday night scoring the basketball. But he was also in foul trouble early in the first quarter after some very interesting calls towards the Hawks. And five early turnovers from Atlanta will push the Mavericks out to an 11-4 lead. And after a 9-0 run to push the lead to 13-4 behind the defense of the Mavericks, who were really forcing the ball out of Trey Young's hands, Kevin Herter would end that Mavericks run with six straight points of his own. Foul trouble would continue for the Hawks. Early in the game, Trey Young will get his second foul midway to go in the first quarter, which severely affected things going forward for the Hawks. The veterans for the Hawks and Rondo, Solo, Tony Snell, and Gallinari would stabilize things a little in the end of the first quarter, especially with Dino Gallinari's early 10 first quarter points. But the former Hawk, Tim Hardaway Jr. for the Mavericks now, would hit a three at the end of the quarter to go up by four as Mavericks led the game after the first quarter of play, 26-22. 12 bench points from the Hawks would keep them in the game, most of those from Danilo Gallinari, but seven early turnovers from the Hawks really put them behind the eight ball. Second quarter, Trey Young would return to the floor, and they would continue to trap him, which led to Kevin Herter doing more of the facilitating on the offensive end, dishing out many assists on Wednesday night, his first one was an alley-oop to Clint Capella. In this game, Kevin Herter would get his 500th career assist. Congratulations to Red Velvet on his dishes early in his career. I'm sure he's going to have more and more to come after this accomplishment. Clint Capella in Wednesday night's game in the paint was a problem for the Mavericks. As he started the second quarter with four quick points, the Hawks would tie it up after a dunk from J.C., off of a lob from Ice Trader Gang, Trey Young. And then a Trey Young floater will help them take the lead late in the second quarter, 47 to 45. Following that, 
would be a Kevin Herter three to extend the lead to five points. But Tim Hardaway Jr.'s hot shooting night would only just be beginning here in the second quarter to help the Mavericks close that lead. But Kevin Herter was hot in the first half for the Hawks with 13 points on five of nine shooting, and he added four assists. By halftime, the Hawks were shooting 50% from the floor and had 10 second chance points, but 10 first half turnovers. That was the thing that was really holding them back, along with how the defense of the Mavericks were playing Trey Young, who only had six points in that first half. On the flip side, Luka Doncic, because Trey Young and Luka will forever to be connected from that draft day trade that sent Luka to Dallas and Trey Young here to Atlanta. Luka Doncic would have 17 points in the first half to keep things close for the Mavericks with the rest of the team outside of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Kristaps Porzingis struggling from the field. Third quarter, we start off with John Collins shooting a three-pointer as he's been hot from the three-point line as of late, but shots from KP and Luka would erase the Hawks' early lead in the third quarter, and then the Mavericks defense would start settling in again as they reclaimed their lead by going on a 13-2 run and pushed them up to a lead of five points. But back-to-back three-pointers from John Collins and Danilo Gallinari would keep it close. It was a back-and-forth third quarter between the teams, and Trey Young would reclaim the lead with about 435 left in the third quarter to go up 72-71. to Foul trouble would continue to plague the Hawks. Capella would get his fourth foul in the third quarter, sending him to the bench. But Gallinari would continue to provide a spark off the bench for the Hawks as he had 19 points off the bench by the end of the third quarter. John Collins would get it going as well as he had 22 points and 11 rebounds in the end of the third quarter as well. But on the flip side, Luka, KP, and Tim Hardaway Jr. were leading the way for Dallas going into the fourth quarter. Hawks would enter the quarter down by five, and Trey Young was not able to be on the floor as much because of the foul trouble that he was in. But whenever Trey Young was on the floor on Wednesday night, they were outscoring the Dallas Mavericks. So he was key, and we really needed to get him on the floor to give ourselves a chance to win the game down the stretch. John Collins would start off the fourth quarter, continuing to attack the rim through the pick-and-roll game. But Dallas playing really good defense and getting some big shots from KP and Luka Doncic will push their lead out to 10 points early in the fourth quarter before John Collins would stop the bleeding and push his scoring total to this point at 26 points. And they would continue to try to cut back into that lead as it was now single digits at 95-87. Trey Young would come back in the game for Atlanta, but good Dallas defense will continue to hold that lead, 11-point lead for Dallas at this point, but John Collins would cut that lead back to eight off of a three-point shot, and he was great the entire night. As I said, he had a huge scoring output for the Hawks and really was the main reason they were still in the game. Kristaps Borsingas would bank a shot in to push the league back to 10, and Dallas and Atlanta were trading baskets, and Atlanta needed a stop. So the trading of baskets was the last thing that the Hawks needed. They really needed to settle down and get some defensive stops. KP would have a nice slam posterizing Clint Capella and push the lead back out to 12 before Atlanta called a timeout with Dallas up 103-91. 
Trey Young would start scoring more after he was off the court for a while with foul trouble and really had a tough time getting things going. Scoring the ball, he was more of a facilitator on Wednesday night with how Dallas was playing him defensively. He would drive to the cup, cut the lead down to 12, but still a lot of work to do with four minutes left. But a Finney Smith three-pointer pushed the lead back out to 15 points. Kevin Herter would answer with a three-point make himself to push his total to 21 points. And then two lobs from Trey Young to John Collins in transition would cut the lead back to eight, going deep into the fourth quarter. As I said before, John Collins really kept the Hawks in the game down the stretch with his scoring ability. They would continue to trade baskets with Dallas, but a steal and a deep three-pointer from Trey Young would cut the lead to three points late in the fourth quarter with about 40 seconds left in the game. An 18-6 run for the Hawks at this point, but a little too late for the surge to try to come back and win this game. Made free throw attempts from Dallas would help close this game out for the Mavericks and end their six-game losing streak to a score of 122-116. The Hawks will get another crack at this team on Wednesday, and they will hopefully learn from their mistakes defensively, clean up turnovers, and we'll have DeAndre Hunter back and healthy to help out on a defensive end and add another scoring threat for this Hawks team. Team stats for the Hawks. Hawks shot 50% from the field and almost 37% from three-point land on Wednesday night. The Mavericks shot 46% from the field and under 32.5% from the three-point line. The Mavericks were excellent from the free-throw line on Wednesday night, shooting 92% and getting to the free-throw line 25 times compared to 17 times for the Atlanta Hawks. And the Hawks shot 71% from the free-throw line. The Hawks weren't getting the the normal calls that they normally get, and it culminated, obviously, into fewer free-throw attempts than Dallas. The Hawks out-rebounded Dallas by two, 52-50. The killer stat Wednesday night for the Hawks, 16 turnovers, inexcusable. Those were the Achilles heels. They had 10 by halftime and six in the second half, which is a lot better, but some key turnovers down the stretch for the Hawks, which has been a running theme for them this year as far as late game execution. The Hawks outscored Dallas in the paint, which would normally be good. As I said, going into the game, Dallas is a, Pretty bad three-point shooting team. They were last in the league in three-point shooting. But with Dallas shooting better from the three-point line, and they were still getting their normal points in the paint, that was a key to victory for the Mavericks on Wednesday night. And Dallas bench would outscore Atlanta 36-20. to On the Mavericks side of things, surprise, surprise, Luka Doncic, the leading scorer for the Dallas Mavericks with 27 points on 8 of 20 shooting. He went one of five from the three-point line, hit all 10 of his free throw attempts. He added 14 assists, eight rebounds, two steals, and four turnovers. He was brilliant all night, really carried the team in stretches as far as setting up people and hitting some big buckets down the stretch to hold on to victory for Dallas. And he did what he had to do to lead this team to victory. And I thought we didn't make it hard enough on him defensively pretty much the entire game we didn't we didn't double him like they did like they did to Trey Young we didn't force the ball out of his hands we didn't force bad passes we really let Luka just be Luka and it was pretty much from the opening tip that he was going to get whatever he wanted even though he didn't hit a high clip from the three-point line he was dominant in Wednesday's game and 
Kristaps Porzingis, who's 7-3, plays the power forward or center position. He's hard to stop as well with that jump shot that he has. He scored 24 points on 10 of 20 shooting on Wednesday night. He went 1 of 6 from the three-point line, hit all of three of his free throw attempts. He added 11 rebounds, and as I said before, the jump shots from him were a problem as he always is a problem as he's, like I said, he's tall, long arms, and can shoot over anybody and pull up from anywhere, and that was evident on Wednesday night. The X Factor, as I mentioned, for the Mavericks was former Atlanta Hawk Tim Hardaway Jr., who had 22 points off the bench with five made three-pointers. He was hot shooting the ball on Wednesday night. He was huge for them and gave them a lift off the bench. Josh Richardson played really good defense the entire night, and he added 14 points and made seven of eight free throws. Also posted six rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two blocks. Finney Smith from the Mavericks scored 13 points with three made three-pointers and added five rebounds. Jalen Brunson off the bench added 12 points, added four assists and four rebounds. It was just a really good team performance for the Mavericks as they were hungry to end this six-game losing streak that they had entering into Wednesday night's contest. On the flip side, as I said before, big night from John Collins who going into the game, the last Six, seven games, he's averaged 22.7 points per game, almost nine rebounds a game, shooting 68% from the field and 53.5% from the three-point line. He led the charge for the Hawks on Wednesday night with 35 points on 16 of 21 shooting, including three of four from the three-point line. He grabbed 12 rebounds, including three in the offensive glass, and he dominated the entire night and was the reason the Hawks had a chance to win with his key throughout stretches of this game, especially fourth quarter. He was big for them. And the third quarter as well, he had a nice output scoring the ball as well as he was much more aggressive in getting to the cup and scoring the ball with Others on the bench really not picking up the slack, scoring the ball for the Hawks. Trey Young ended the night with 21 points on 8 of 18 shooting from the floor. Shot 3 of 8 from the three-point line. Only had three free throw attempts and made two of them. He wasn't getting the normal fouls that he would normally get in the game as he averages about 12 to 13 free throw attempts per game. Three is just not going to cut it, and part of the reason why they didn't win the game on Wednesday night, Dallas was forcing the ball out of his hands. So brilliant defensive game plan from the Dallas Mavericks and Rick Carlisle, their head coach. Trey Young would have nine assists, four rebounds, a steal, and four turnovers on Wednesday night. Kevin Herter had a great scoring night as well, adding 21 points on 8 of 15 shooting, went 4 of 8 from the three-point line, had a double-double posting 10 assists, and he also grabbed five rebounds, including three in the offensive glass, and had two steals. He was great on Wednesday night, and his confidence and aggression is something that I want to continue to see from Red Velvet, as we're going to need it, depending on how long Hunter is out, and with Bogdan Bogdanovich continuing to be out, as far as our two wing players for the Hawks. Clint Capella had his 13th double-double on Wednesday night, with 10 points on five of eight shooting from the floor. Grabbed 13 rebounds, including three in the offensive glass. Added two assists, two steals, and three blocks. Another block party for Clint Capella. Danilo Gallinari added 19 points off the bench for the Hawks. Really gave them a lift in stretches, although he shot 4 of 11 from the field. 
and two of eight from the three-point line. He had nine free throw attempts on Wednesday night and made all nine of them. And Tony Snell added eight points off the bench with two made three-pointers. So, disappointing game. We had some good things in that game, but we had some bad things as well. We're going to talk about that after we cover the Jazz-Hawks game from Thursday night. And we're going to get into that game after this plug from Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, we need to pause the show for an announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with its most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not on any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in an email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. I said it for for, for, for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021. And you get it straight from the GOAT and Brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league. All right, and we are back. The injury report going into Thursday night's game. Kevin Herter, who had left ankle soreness and had a really good game on Wednesday night versus the Mavericks. He was available on Thursday night, but a huge blow for the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young will be out with a right calf contusion. DeAndre Hunter will continue to sit with right knee discomfort. Yoko Okongu was continuing to sit as well with left Achilles soreness. And then Chris Dunn and Bogdan Bogdanovich, the usual suspects on the injury report list. We did find out about Bogdanovich, who has now been cleared to include more range of motion in his rehab and do some conditioning activities, which includes on-court work. And his knee brace has been removed. So there's still not a definitive timetable as far as when Bogdan Bogdanovich will return to the floor for the Hawks, but some good news ahead of another disappointing game for the Atlanta Hawks on Thursday night as they were undermanned with the injury report that we just listed. Starting lineup on Thursday night would have Rajon Rondo at the one, Kevin Herter at the two, Cam Reddish at the three, John Collins at the four, and Clint Capella at the five. Utah, going into Thursday night's game, had the best record in the NBA. And if the Hawks were going to pull off this upset under man, they're going to have to guard the three-point line much better than they did in game one, as this is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They were going to have to win points in the paint. They were going to have to crash the glass, move the ball offensively to get the defense side, moving side to side for the Jazz, as the Jazz are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA as well. They're going to have to take care of the ball. And it will take everyone who steps on the court on Thursday night to contribute to try to pull off this upset, especially John Collins. We're going to need a huge, another huge game from him. And it's going to be a next man up mentality for the Hawks. And the Hawks would have their hands full. And many of the keys I just listed for the Hawks to win the game on Thursday night, they fell short of. Going into the game, 
early on, Gobert and Capella would be battling hard in the paint. Utah started the game by getting to the cup and testing the paint defense for the Hawks with Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, and Donovan Mitchell. Stagnant offense from the Atlanta Hawks, and the Jazz were just forcing tough shots for the Hawks as they were playing really sound defense. Early on, going into a zone, which is not a surprise. They throw a bunch of different looks. Defensively, they're up there, out there in Utah, which is why they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. The Jazz would get out to a 17-6 lead early on in the game. Herder would hit the first three for Atlanta and cut the lead back to single digits and follow up with a driving layup to cut the lead to six points, showing some aggressive and fight early on in the game, as he did in the night prior versus the Mavericks. Hawks were just trying to force things early instead of getting the ball movement to soften the defensive coverage that was shown to them at times, move that defense side to side and get themselves open looks. The Hawks really couldn't get anything going behind the the three-point arc in the first quarter and pretty much the entire night. And it was a low-scoring half for the Hawks, but still only trailed by four points going into the second quarter. John Collins, by early second quarter, still didn't have a point. But Utah's offense started stalling at this point, and Herter would hit a three-pointer to cut the lead to one point for the Jazz. Jordan Clarkson off the bench, who would end up having a big night for the Jazz, got them off to a hot start and pushed the lead back out to eight points with his scoring ability from the former Missouri Tiger and Mr. Clarkson. A 14-4 run from the Jazz and a lot of missed shots from the Hawks. And it was pretty evident that the best player for the Hawks on the floor on Thursday night in a lot of stretches of the game was Kevin Herter, who had 12 points in the first half. But the rest of the team was just out of sync. A lot of missed shots, a lot of miscues, bad passes. You know, hands seemed slick where, you know, they were losing loose balls and going out of bounds, and it was going to go towards the Jazz. Just a lot of unfortunate bad breaks from the Hawks on Thursday night. Of course, it was a back-to-back. No excuses, though. And the Jazz would... Continue to extend their lead to 11 points behind 15 first half points from Boyan Bogdanovich. Jazz would start to heat up from behind the three-point line in the second quarter, which we needed to limit one of the keys going into Thursday's game. Collins would end up in the first half coming to life a little bit, scoring points down the stretch and cutting the lead for the Jazz to eight points as the Jazz went into halftime up 45 to 37. Hawks shot 30% in the first half, which was one of the main reasons for the early deficit outside of the great defense that Utah was playing. Third quarter, the Jazz would start off pushing that lead back out to 14 points, and the struggles from the floor for the Atlanta Hawks would continue. Collins, the only one scoring early on for the Hawks and carrying over his effort from the end of the second quarter to the third quarter with six points to start the third quarter from John Collins. Mike Conley, who got into foul trouble in the first half, would answer with nine third quarter points himself to maintain the double-digit lead for Utah. Boyong Bogdanovich would knock down a couple shots as well. Cam Reddish on the flip side for the Hawks would score a couple baskets to help out. John Collins in the scoring department, but that lead would continue to grow for Utah as it reached 
17 points at one point in the third quarter, and the lead would pretty much stay in double digits for the remainder of the game. Fourth quarter, with the game out of reach, the reserves will come in for the Hawks to get some clock and rest some of those starters, and it will be all she wrote as the Jazz would sweep the season series over the Hawks after a 112-91 win over Atlanta in the State Farm Arena. Team stats, Hawks shot under 33% from the floor, so very, very poor night shooting the ball, and they would shoot 29% from the three-point line. Utah Jazz, on the flip side, shot 48% from the floor and matched that percentage with 48% from the three-point line. We needed to limit their three-point shooting and their effectiveness behind that arc. We could not do that. Both teams shot very well from the free-throw line. Atlanta only missed one of their 19 free-throw attempts on Thursday night. The Hawks without rebound, Utah 62-54. to Eight steals from the Hawks on Thursday night, and they forced 14 turnovers. And on the flip side, the Hawks committed 11 turnovers, so they cut down their turnovers from the previous night versus the Mavericks. Although this was a big stat right here, the Jazz outscored the Hawks 54-36 to in the paint, which was a key that we needed to limit. And the Jazz bench would outscore the Hawks 49-40. to Stats for the Jazz, their leading scorer was Jordan Clarkson off the bench, a six-man-of-the-year candidate last year, and certainly he will be one again this year as he is the leading scorer off the bench in the NBA. He had 23 points on 9 of 13 shooting from the floor, knocked down five of his eight three-pointers, and added seven rebounds. Boyan Bogdanovich had another big night for the Jazz. He scored 21 points on 9 of 14 shooting from the floor, hit one of two three-pointers, hit both of his free throw attempts and added six rebounds. Donovan Mitchell, who I did not mention a lot in the game flow, but he scored 18 points on seven of 18 shooting from the floor, went three of five from the three-point line, added five assists, three rebounds, and two steals. Rudy Gobert had another double-double with 11 points and 12 rebounds, including four on the offensive glass and added two blocks. Mike Conley, after starting off slow with foul trouble, he ended the game with 11 points of 5 of 10 shooting from the floor, hit one of three three-pointers and dished out four assists. And the former Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket, Derek Favors, he added nine points and six rebounds off the bench, including four rebounds on the offensive glass. And Joe Ingles and Brantley would add six points off the bench to contribute for the Jazz. Team effort for the Utah Jazz that you would expect as they're one of the best teams in the NBA currently. On the flip side of things for the Hawks, we needed a big game from John Collins. He got it going into the second quarter, third quarter, but after the third quarter, he would not score a point in the fourth. And his total would end up at 17 points on Thursday night on 6 of 16 shooting from the floor. He went 1 of 6 from the three-point line and hit all four of his free throw attempts. Also posted seven rebounds and two steals. Kevin Herter scored 16 points on seven of 14 shooting from the floor, went two of five from the three-point line, and added three steals. Cam Reddish scored 12 points on five of 14 shooting, missed all three of his three-point attempts, hit both of his free throw attempts, added three assists, two rebounds, and a steal. Tony Snell, who had a really good game, off the bench, and he's been playing well the last few games as he's starting to get in the rhythm after being out for the majority of the games to start off the season, scoring 12 points, knocking down four three-pointers on Thursday night. 
he was one of the positive takeaways, in my opinion, from the Hawks. We need to continue to get this production from him off the bench with his ability to defend and knock down the three-point shot. Clint Capella shot poorly from the field on 3 of 14 shooting and only scored six points. He would grab 17 rebounds, although, including eight on the offensive glass. Rayshon Rondo, who started in place of Trey Young, didn't score a single point on Thursday night, going over seven from the field, but he did post eight assists and six rebounds. Goodwin, who we needed a big game as well with Trey Young out and Rondo starting, he shot the ball poorly as well, shooting one of 10 from the floor, had six points, hit one three-pointer, and knocked down three of his four free-throw attempts. Solomon Hill scored six points off the bench. Danilo Gallinari shot poorly off the bench and scored five points. And Nathan Knight, who would get in the game late, added five points as well. So the theme of Thursday's game was just the defense of the Jazz, their ability to hit the three-point shot, and poor shooting from the Hawks. It was just a very, very disappointing night and disappointing back-to-back from Atlanta. So going forward, as I said on the top of the program, this is going to be a tough stretch of games this week. But I was optimistic because of how the Hawks were playing going into the week that they could take three or four potentially or split and go 500 this week. But for them, they're going to have to win this one against Toronto tonight to go one of three this week, which was below my expectations and prediction for the Hawks. And they needed to continue to play with the same energy, effort, and competitive spirit that they were playing with going into the week. And that was going to help them steal some games, potentially. The Mavericks game was disappointing because of the turnovers, the lack of adjustments on part of the coaching staff. As far as defensively, how they were guarding Luka Doncic and not making it hard on him at all on Wednesday night, and then creating ways to respond to the defensive looks that they were giving Trey Young, which limited his scoring until the fourth quarter where things opened up for him to drive to the lane and score and then knock down some shots finally. There were stretches in that game against the Mavericks that were just disappointing to see because you know the Hawks are better than this. Even without DeAndre Hunter, they did almost everything they could on Wednesday night to win the game except the high number of turnovers, getting more out of the bench. And then that surge at the end was great to see that fight to try to come back and win this game, but it was a little too late by then. Being down in the fourth quarter, Really put them behind the eight ball too much in the defense, which was not terrible from the Hawks. It just wasn't doing the things they needed to do to limit the Mavericks and get stops and stop that surge from the Mavs. The Mavericks, as I said before, are normally a poor three-point shooting team, and they were a lot better behind the three-point line on Wednesday night. And the Mavericks were just hungrier, more hungrier than uh, the Atlanta Hawks as they were in the midst of a six-game skid. We needed to match that energy for the entire game, and we didn't do it. The Jazz loss. You can point to Trey Young being out, but the team outside of Kevin Herter, John Collins, and in stretches, Cam Reddish, were just out of sort. They were missing a bunch of shots thanks to great defense from the Utah Jazz. They were really challenging a lot of shots and forcing shots that the Hawks were not comfortable making, and they were just tough shots, like shots that are just not Shots that would make the analytic people very, very upset. Let's just say that. 
and they were not moving the ball around as much as they should have, and they were just flat on the offensive end. And that energy that Collins and Herter played with pretty much from wire to wire when they were in did not translate to the rest of the team. So how my tone is right now, I am disappointed that in both games that the Hawks played, as far as the Jazz and the Mavericks, they did not meet or exceed the energy from their opponent that they were playing, which led them to get behind, to make mistakes, to miss shots, to miss opportunities in those two losses. I thought the Mavericks game was a winnable game, and I thought that Utah was going to be tough, but I thought that they would bring it since they lost to them by a considerable amount weeks prior. And I put those losses on Coach Lloyd Pierce. I know that these are professional basketball players. They're grown men. They spent hours and hours and hours upon working on their game. But as a head coach, you got to get your team ready to play. You got to put them in positions to succeed. And you got to have a scheme, game plan, and respond during game to do the things necessary to win ball games. And I felt like he and his staff did not do that in the in the last two games. Yes, players play the game. They got to energize themselves. But the coach has to be your leader. And that lack of leadership and decision-making at times as far as Lloyd Pierce being a head coach in the NBA is what is holding this team back. Yes, they have a lot of new faces. They're working on chemistry. Yes, injuries have plagued this team this year. Yes, we have young guys who are still growing, learning how to win games night in and night out in the NBA. We have a young head coach doing the same thing as well, learning how to win games night in and night out. Are fans patient? Absolutely not. I've seen them in my mentions. I've seen them talking to other colleagues who cover the Atlanta Hawks. They're not patient. They want results. And I don't blame the fans for not being patient, especially with the history of Georgia sports recently with the failure of the Georgia Bulldogs to win the national title game against Tua in the Alabama Crimson Tide here in Atlanta. The failure from the Falcons for the Super Bowl when they should have got a win. And just years and years of disappointment. They're hungry for a successful team. And I do not blame you as Hawks fans. They have disliked Lloyd Pierce even before he had this talent assembled this offseason. And with the higher expectations and they're growing disdain for him, is it fair? No, I don't think it is. Is it warranted? Sometimes. These last two games, it was definitely warranted. But the fact of the matter is that this is a make or break year for Lloyd Pierce, whether I want it to be or not. As a blackhead coach in the NBA, I want him to succeed so badly because blackhead coaches get far and few opportunities in the National Basketball Association as well as the National Football League and other sports. But he's put in a tough spot where he basically has to be a playoff team and they have to compete in that playoff series if they get there to secure another year on his contract. And if they lose in a close series... I think he gets another year and another crack at it with this team. But I fear that if they were to make the play-in tournament and lose, he's going to be out. If they make the playoffs and get swept, he's going to be out. If they make it to the playoffs and they lose in a tight series against a Brooklyn, a Boston, a Philadelphia, or a Milwaukee, conversations that are going to be tough will be had by management. This is the reality of the situation. We could talk about the disappointment of Rajon Rondo this year as far as his play on the court. 
I expected him to have games where he sits out because you're going to need Rajon Rondo down the stretch in the second half of the season in the playoffs rather than early on in the regular season. And certainly, yes, he can be better. And he knows that he can be better. But he's not here to carry the team in that way, so that's somewhat an irrelevant excuse. We can talk about the lack of consistency from Cam Reddish. But, again, it's early in the season. He's had injuries. This is his second year in the NBA. And it's easy to cast stones at his play on the court compared to what DeAndre Hunter is doing this year. What DeAndre Hunter is doing is exceptional. Cam Reddish, as a second-year player, they're going to have ebbs and flows because still, only a second year in the NBA, as I said. Give it more time. But certainly, he knows he needs to be more consistent on the offensive end. We all know that. And I'm sure that he's internalizing it how he needs to. He's going to do the things to break out and be consistent on the offensive end because that's what we need from him outside of this consistency defending on the defensive end, which was a great plus from what we saw how he was guarding LeBron James on Monday night. I love what I've been seeing from Kevin Herter recently. I hope he continues to keep this up, and it's going to be a key going forward. If he can be a consistent scoring threat as our fourth or fifth option off the bench, then this Hawks team will be fine. I love what I'm seeing from John Collins, Trey Young, and Clint Capella. They've been great the last seven, eight games on the floor, and all three of them playing at an all-star level. But it still comes down to Lloyd Pierce because as cries from the fans grow louder and louder and the pressure continues to mount on Lloyd Pierce, those markers that I mentioned before for what will it mean to be a successful year for the Atlanta Hawks will have to be met or else he'll become Mark Jackson and the Hawks will look for their Steve Kerr who can be an offensive-minded coach who can be a little bit more creative on the offensive end and not put all the pressure on playmaking on Trey Young and put him alongside Nate McMillan, who's a defensive-minded coach, which the Hawks have improved certainly on the defensive end this year numbers-wise, which is great. But that's what it's going to look like. It's looking like Lloyd Pierce is going to become Mark Jackson if he doesn't turn things around and show more leadership skills and decision-making skills in-game and leading into games. Moving on to Toronto, which the Hawks are taking on tonight. They've been hot the last 10 games. They're on a three-game winning streak right now. They've won six of the last 10, including their last game versus the Brooklyn Nets. Although Brooklyn did not have Kevin Durant, they still had James Harden and Kyrie Irving. That's a great win. Toronto has been getting a lot out of Fred Van Fleet this year, who had a career-high 54 points on Tuesday night versus Orlando, and as well as Pascal Siakam, who had 31 points in the last game versus Brooklyn. They're coming into the game with a lot of confidence. And again, we're going to have to meet and preferably exceed their energy, effort, and focus in order to get out of our three-game skid that we're in the midst of right now. Going into tonight's game, Kevin Herter is probable right now. Okongu is questionable. Trey Young is questionable. DeAndre Hunter will be out again, along with Chris Dunn and Bogdanovich. They could be undermanned again tonight, but at least it's not a back-to-back. Like on Thursday night, they're going to, they have a little bit of rest. And there's no excuses. It's time to put up or shut up. You got to play with who you have available. You got to go out on the court and you got to compete. And it's on everybody from the top down, starting with Lloyd Pierce to the last guy on the bench who gets on the court for them to get this dub tonight. So we'll see how they respond. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a great review. Share it. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. That's no cap. Numbers do not lie. Share with fellow Hawks fans here in Atlanta and across the globe. 
share with fellow basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett, 67 on Twitter. That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, 67. And as always, yay!